and welcome to this edition of Security and Compliance Weekly. On today's show, we're going to explore data privacy laws and how they are and will be impacting both security and compliance programs in organizations throughout the land. To help facilitate this discussion, we are joined today by Chris Penn. He is VP for Privacy and Security at a little company called PKWare. Chris is going to talk about data privacy in general, but the discussion is really predicated on the recent passing of just the second data privacy law in the United States, which happened to be in Virginia. So join us as we continue our journey of tearing down silos and building bridges on Security and Compliance Weekly. This is a Security Weekly production. And now, it's the show that bridges the requirements of regulations, compliance, and privacy with those of security. Your trusted source for complying with various mandates, building effective programs, and current compliance news. It's time for Security and Compliance Weekly. Welcome to episode number 72 of Security and Compliance Weekly, recorded on May 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Mr. Jeff Mann, and joining me today are my data privacy conscious co-hosts, Mr. Scott Lyons and Mr. Josh Marpet. Welcome, gentlemen, and of course, the obligatory May the 4th be with you. Nah, 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 nah. That's just for no good rebels. It's Revenge of the 5th. Tomorrow, that's the... That's when the Empire The way I see it, we can just drink both days, but whatever. We could. I we could. De anyway. Depends on how many times you say PCI, Jeff. Uh, uh, we'll see how that comes up today, whether PCI has anything to do with privacy or not. Hmm. Anyway, before we jump into it, I do have a couple announcements. Uh, Security Weekly listeners can save $100 on their RSA Conference 2021 All Access Pass. RSA Conference is going to be fully virtual again this year, and it's from May 17th through May 20th. Gee, that's like coming up in two weeks, three weeks two weeks i can do the math security weekly will be live streaming monday through thursday that week in the virtual broadcast alley interviewing some of the top sponsors and some of the speakers uh, that are speaking at the event to register using our discount code go to securityweekly.com forward slash rsac 2021 and use the code five u that's uniform one cyber we hope to see you there also, if you have any specific guest or topic suggestions that you would love for us to cover on this or any of our shows, you can submit your suggestions by going to securityweekly.com forward slash guests. You will find a form there, fill it out. We review them on the regular and we'll reach out to you once we've reviewed your submission. Alrighty. So, uh, little setup for today's conversation. How, how did we find Mr. Chris Penn? Uh, because of my affiliation with Security Weekly, I'm on several uh, media mailing lists. I get the media journalist passes to conferences like RSA and Black Hat, and the obligatory uh, mailing list comes from that. Very often, probably 98 times out of 100, the emails are, hey, we've got a great topic or person uh, or quotation uh, for whatever the next article is you're going to write. And I, I, and I kind of like, okay, dismiss those. They don't know that I'm a podcaster, but once in a while, 
they actually say, hey, we've got somebody we'd like you to interview on your show, or we think this is an interesting topic for your podcast. And if they happen to act like they know who I am and what I'm about, I read it. And that is how I met Chris Penn today. I was contacted by his uh, PR firm and introduced Chris and the topic. And I thought, you know, that's actually a decent topic for this show. Let's do it. So uh, that is how Mr. Chris Penn, VP of Privacy and Security, arrived to talk with us today about the new uh, Virginia data privacy law and data privacy in general and how it applies to security and compliance. So without further ado, Chris, welcome to Security and Compliance Weekly. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. So excited to have you today. Hey, I, I uh, want to obviously get to know you a little bit. I just want to say, you know, I had to look up PKWare because I'm like, PKWare, they've been around forever. I looked it up, 1986. Um, the company is uh, ancient in, in internet terms. And uh, if anybody doesn't know, and you can set me straight uh, if I'm wrong, but PKWare is kind of the reason why we don't use tarballs anymore. We use zip files. Am I right? That's correct. Um, PKWare was the founder, inventor, creator, whatever term you want to throw on it, uh, of the zip file. Um, they've of course, since matured, they've gone into encryption, redaction, masking, discovery, right? There's a lot of different avenues. Um, and we can go into that more later. I think it'll tie in nicely with our uh, topic today. Sure. I just I just had to throw it out, out there because it was been it was bugging me. It's like PK where I know I know that. I know I know that. They're PK zip, they're PK unzip. They're the creators of the zip file. So anyway, Chris, tell us about yourself, your background, how you got into cybersecurity and in particularly privacy, how you landed at PK where, what you do at PK where. Go. So I'll try to make this quick because this can get pretty long pretty fast. Um my whole career started depending on uh, working as government contractor, did Army, did uh, Congress, Senate, did the White House a bit, um, and then migrated from D.C. over to Hawaii, where I did Special Forces, a uh, little bit of work with missile defense. So a lot of government work. Um, fast forward to having kids, everything else, life gets real. And uh, I, I took a job uh, over at Costco, helping them with their... Uh, uh, ultimately with their privacy and security uh, problems that they had largely around PCI, right? So Jeff, you can relate. Oh, he um, said it first. <laughs> <laughs> which led into, with all of my background being government, which is pseudo privacy as well, um, led into me taking up the charge at, at Costco and really running their GDPR and CCPA as well as HIPAA programs. Well, that is very concise. Uh, thank you. And I do have to ask the obligatory question since you mentioned special forces, not to distract from the topic. Ever seen one of these things? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for reference, for those that are just listening, uh, uh, I invented a little thing called the whiz wheel that was used by special forces. So whenever I meet someone that's ex special forces, I have to ask if they remember it. So, but enough about me, let's talk about you. Let's talk about data privacy. So, um, before we jump into the, to, to the conversation at large, uh, we do like to ask all of our guests what we call the hot seat question. And this is just sort of get to know you level set since we are a show about security and compliance. 
Chris Penn, where do you fall on what we like to call the security versus compliance continuum? So I like to say, obviously, you can have security without compliance, right? Because you can just lock everything away at one means or another. Um, but a lot of organizations I've noticed have taken compliance to kind of drive their security, which leads to, you know, oftentimes wrong controls used for wrong reasons. Um, but uh, that is what I'm seeing. So I guess that would be my broad statement is that you can have security without compliance, but not necessarily the other way around. Um, the question that I add on to that, Jeff, and maybe you can answer this, I'd, I'd love to hear your take. What is the difference between privacy and security? Hey, it's my show. I get to ask the questions. <laughs> I have no idea. I was hoping you'd set us straight, frankly. So uh, well, and I'll say, say this. Uh, well, uh, I'll caveat that, too, with, I mean, very often on, on our show uh, and even on the main show, if I'm around, uh, I, I'll try to pin down people on definitions on some of the, the broad and basic terminology we use in this industry. So I suspect that there is no universal definition or acceptance of what is the meaning, similarities, or contrasts between security and privacy. So with that low bar, please enlighten us. <laughs> So what I like to say, in, and this was actually an interesting interview question uh, that I got asked a long, long time ago, is what is that difference between security and privacy? And really, the difference comes down to, as I mentioned just a little bit ago, you can have security um, in whatever flavor, right, when not think about anything else. You just lock it away. No one can access the data. You're secure. Two thumbs up, right? Uh, in privacy, it's about transparency and enabling access to the data, quite frankly, um, but to the right people and those who are supposed to have access, right? So I like to say security is about locking it away. Privacy is, you know, kind of about unlocking it, making it available. Is it uh, is it fair to try to apply the 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 data security triad to privacy? Do, do the do the C and the I and the A confidentiality, integrity, and availability, do they apply in any way, shape, absolutely. or form to data privacy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. Because if you just, if you open everything up, it's going to be too broad, it's gonna be too open. Um, integrity, right? You, you want to make sure it's the right data. You want to make sure it's accurate data and it's not mm -hmm. being tampered with. Um, and then the availability, which goes back to the transparency part, right? If someone, wants to know what you have, why you have it, you've got to be able to provide it. I guess one other question that I've always wanted to ask a data privacy person is sort of confirm a hunch. Uh, and I think we talked about this, uh, you know, when we spoke last week about our topic for today, uh, or maybe not because I'm old and I forget who I talked to. Um, the a couple of years ago, the Anthem breach, uh, you know, big, huge breach, you know, HIPAA related. But as it was first coming out, I thought, well, I'll bet you what happened was Anthem was completely HIPAA compliant, which is all about keeping healthcare data away from the names of the patients, so that you can't associate specific data with uh, names. Um, is that, uh, in essence, what data privacy is about? Is the data itself? in particularly sensitive or is it always in association with tying it back to, I guess, 
to to use the term loosely, people, places, and things. Yeah, the the term has been expanded since the likes of GDPR and CCPA came out. Now, CDPA, the latest Virginia law, is just hacked onto that. But it, the definition, you know, uh, broadly speaking, is anything that could potentially identify a person or a household. Right. So when you think about things like cross streets, you may not necessarily think that's personal, but it could be. Um, the traditional laws and regulations that we've seen, the, the HIPAAs, the, the COPAs, the, the PCI of the world, if you will, they all focus in on one, one or two pieces of data, you know, maybe a subset of uh, types of data, but not necessarily on anything that could be associated, right? Under, under HIPAA, just as an example, if I only have your name and email address, that's not, it's not HIPAA, right? And it's not PCI. So where does that fall? In America, right. that doesn't fall anywhere. Hmm. Does it fall anywhere in Europe with GDPR? Absolutely does. Um, uh, you hmm. know, with a name and an email address, you can pretty confidently identify somebody. Gotcha. So that's an interesting perspective. It's, it's, I guess a lot of it has to do, uh, and I'm trying to get the term right that you use, finding the locations, try, you know, trying try, trying to find the locations of people and families, uh, presumably to protect them from physical harm, ultimately? Physical harm, but also um, identity theft, right? Um, Individuation. Just, uh, it could be PR. It could be, you know, reputational. Um, it, it's just, I don't know, the sense of security within yourself right like how safe are you online um how much money are these Ooh, i know that one you're not <laughs> <laughs> uh how much money are organizations making off of you as the consumer without you knowing about it right like you buy say you buy a new tv you know 500 bucks and then the company turns around and makes 1500 off the data you gave them to buy that tv how is that fair right right okay well, um, a lot of the a lot of the um, a lot of the regulation, especially over in Europe, has been put towards individual pieces of data, whereas the U.S. looks at it as a concatenation of data. Right. So having uh, uh, email and a name uh, is not enough in the U.S., but it is in it is in Europe, whereas having an email name and social security number in the U.S. is enough. So it's it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. It's the concatenation that we're looking at. Right. So uh, CCPA, CDPA, um, so the California Virginia law, um, they, they've they've largely followed GDPR at this point. So now if you have a right. name or an email address, that is personal information. If I have a name and a physical address, or if I have a, a cross street and a physical address and maybe no name, right, that's still personal information. Um, so uh, even in America, we're starting to step a little bit away from, you know, the traditional PII uh, the personal identifiable information and going more towards PI, which is just personal information. It doesn't necessarily have to be identifiable for us to, to have to secure it. So what, what drove, what drove Virginia to do this? So Virginia is following suit of CCPA for sure. Um, mm -hmm. CCPA came to be um, because of Europe, right? Seeing GDPR and all the regulation, everything else. Um, these large companies, think Facebook, Walmart, Twitter, et cetera, uh, they do business globally, right? And the question is, is how do they safely transfer data between the EU and uh, the Americas? 
and quite frankly, when GDPR came out, you know, Privacy Shield was going away. Um, you have this guy, Max Schrems. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he's this yep. big privacy lawyer advocate and he loves shutting down safeguards and mechanisms that organizations use to transfer data. Um, he challenges them and oftentimes wins, um, which leads, you know, the whole world to essentially scramble at the last minute and say, oh, okay, we were doing business yesterday in this manner and now we can't do that anymore i can't transfer that data anymore because the court ruled overnight that it isn't just um and so in order to get those adequacy levels to be able to freely transfer data between europe and the us some law like C uh, ccpa right um something like that would have to be in place in order for the eu to rule that that law and all of its requirements um, meet the safeguard uh, check and the requirements that the EU wants to see. Um, and it's really a stab at trying to get some sort of a federal movement um, around privacy, because what a lot of companies do not want, um, and I think even the citizens do not want, is for the US to treat data privacy like they treated tax law. Right, where every state has their own tax law and everything's done a little bit differently, it would be a lot easier and a lot nicer if we just had one federal law that said, okay, this is here's nine tenths of the ruling, if you will. And then you can have nuances and things, but um, you know, we or we even like a cheat sheet for state by state like regulation, right? Like, what, how do we how do we make this easier? You know, it's 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 one thing to say, okay, in California, uh, California, Virginia, Utah, Maine, whatever. Uh, all of these rules apply, and then here's a list of the nuances per state. Would that be correct? Yeah. So from a lawyer standpoint, right, they may very well do that because if they have to go to court, they're, they're going to start defending, you know, well, I didn't do that there because it's not one of the nuances or it's it's does it's not applicable in that state or whatever. Um, but from an organizational standpoint, uh, they they go through and they say, okay, well, here's all the nuances, right? Which privacy law in the states? Um you know, covers all or most of this, and I'll just follow that one. Oftentimes that's California, right? Depending on the law we're talking about. But um, so uh, versus following a federal law, people start following the strictest state, uh, which I don't think is a situation that the government wants us to be in, but it's one we're quickly heading towards. So hey, there was in, dealing with, uh, in dealing with data, data is only like one arena that should be looked at right so uh you've got data you've got pi you've got pii uh and you know in doing research for this episode i came across a uh i came across a news article talking about how chile is going after and i think it is and i'll, I'll make sure to post this article down in uh in, in the discord if you if you're not part of the discord go join uh but they're talking about uh um brain manipulation and neuro rights is that is that a place that we could go eventually down the road uh is that is that something that could be folded into how these uh, how these laws are being being made moving forward like what I, I guess what i'm really trying to ask is it's one thing to go after pi and pii and try to say what is and what is not but is that the only landscape that we need to take a look at for privacy it's it's not. <clears throat> I haven't encountered the uh, the the brain manipulation uh, area that that you're reading about just yet. But I have encountered biometrics and retinals and um, you know uh, as as well as other things. And a lot of that is 
obviously it's very personal um even brain manipulation if they were going down some sort of mind altering thing i think elon musk has something going on right that guy's always got stuff going on. yeah i was just talking about that on the discord um so they've got uh games that uh quadriplegics can now control with their brain and that's great because you can output from your brain and for for people that are disabled uh, paraplegics quadriplegics that's that's fantastic but what about the other way? Can you input signals? And uh, I, there was a there was a, a book that had a TASP in it, which is basically they they did experiments like this in the '60s. They they put a wire into the pleasure center of a rat's brain, and gave it a key that would send an electrical signal down. They would and food right next to it. They would press their lever rather than eat, and they would die. Armadillo the- tinfoil lined hats. <laughs> Why does it have to be armadillo? I think that a that a that a, that a, that any leather would work just fine. It doesn't have to be armadillo. I don't know why you're so specific. Snob. Does, does, does the brain T-touch? speak TCP or UDP? <laughs> I don't know. I think if it was UDP, it would get lost all the time. Well, it might be yeah, closer to Jeff. UDP just wouldn't though. remember. <laughs> what were we talking about? So oh, there's another, what other, what, of, other, what other types of privacy stuff can we get into with the laws that are currently being created? So let's say a lawmaker, a lawmaker for God unknown reason happens to watch our show. If you were able to say, okay, we need to look at PI, PII, but also uh, ABC123, what would the ABC123 be? Well, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question just because the, again, the way they've described these terms, right? It's anything that can be related to or potentially identify a person or a household. Um, you know, the brain manipulation stuff that could clearly identify a person because you're going to see their thought patterns. You're going to see, you know, the way their brain works. You're going to see all these kinds of nuances. Um, we can go uh, off the neural stuff for a little while. It's okay, I promise. Every, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking like what other what other data is out there right um they've already captured things like cookies and browsing history all of that is personal as well um so i I think they've already gone beyond just what you and i would think of as personal right um they've gone into the digital world as well uh the type of laptop you're on the type of desktop you're on the 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 system specs of your pc the the geographics of your IP address, um, you know, your ISP provider, uh, it, it's all deemable personal with context, right? I don't know as if these laws around privacy will ever leave the person, right? The person is the key element here. Um, but the data that could be encompassed in that could be anything. Um, as long as it ties back to a person, the moment you remove a person from the equation, these privacy laws largely don't apply. Um, uh, and it leads you down the route of security, as we spoke about earlier. Um, you know, you were talking about the, the Elon Musk thing, uh, and how to, how do you, you know, how do you ensure that that person's, you know, thought process, how do you ensure that's not being breached? Well, that's not necessarily a security thing or a uh, privacy thing. It's more of a security thing, right? So Elon and his staff and all the providers of that type of technology will have to take into consideration what type of data are they collecting through which Avenue? And is it a secured method? Um, So I, I, I think this is an important distinction to make and, and hopefully you can help to, uh, uh, illuminate this. If, if I'm drawing the wrong conclusion, first off, 
uh, I did want to say the reason why we ask you all sorts of different questions is because it makes different parts of your brain light up while we're mapping <laughs> you while we while we're sure. recording you. Today. Um, aside from that, uh, you yeah. know, I don't know how many years ago was it that big data was a thing. You know, companies and, and this played uh, uh, this came up a lot in it in the PCI is. world since I was working with a lot of retailers that were collecting a lot of data on their customers, like what do they purchase and how many and where and things like that, all for the you know purposes of customer loyalty programs and to be able to spew out the right kind of coupon and or, or you know stock the right kind of inventory in the right kind of places. All sorts of really great, seemingly legitimate reasons to track all this data and i guess the the distinction that i would like you to speak about is you know wh when was it you're just collecting all this data about your cu customers in general so you have this massive big data versus uh personalized data that gets to your you know the tendencies and the trends of you specifically so you can get that coupon or i mean i i i had a, a late night phone call the other night from a company that think uh, uh, are thinking that they've been breached they've been approached by their processor and you know the next thing i and they're a retailer and the next thing i know i'm getting ads for this retailer on my you know when i opened up facebook this morning <laughs> ah Messenger anyway, never listens. Know, when it's and, totally when safe. and where when <laughs> and where were the lines blurred or crossed between just collecting all this anonymous data from your customers to ooh, if we somehow pin it to the individual, we can make even more money. Yeah, I think a lot of that started in uh well, it really started back like as soon as it turned to the new century, right? The it started early, early two thousands. Um, and it got more dominant, more prevalent in the space, um, 2012, 2013, like you said, when the big data stuff started kicking off the, the Hadoops, the Teradatas, the, you know, now they've got Snowflake and all these other types of data lakes out there. But um, the more, you know, now we like to say that data is, data is the, the, the moneymaker, data is the gold or the oil of the organization, right? Um, and it's because of what you were just saying, um, just based on your shopping history with whichever retailer it is, or even maybe it's not a retailer, maybe it's your healthcare organization. How often do you go in for physicals? How often do you go in for this? How often do you go in for that? You know, um, you went in for X and then next thing you know, you got three follow-up appointments for, you know, Y and Z. Um, all of this type of analytics is, is done, as you said, uh, to say, hey, well, if we charge 10 cents more for this thing, then we'll make $150,000 more. Um, for oh, healthcare, to, it's largely about, about what's next year's rates look like. I mean, look, look at AT&T. They charged, uh, I think it was AT&T. They, they put a, a $1 or 99 cent fee in administrative fee in into their cell phone bills. And if you called up, they immediately took it off and it came back the next month and you could call up and take it off again. But uh, most people are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's a buck. Who cares? They made a hundred million dollars a month off that. Yep. Yeah. It's these little things and it's. The, the data science, as they call it, is really about measuring your customer base's threshold for tolerance. It's like how, how much can we push and milk out of these guys before they start calling us like that buck nine you're just mentioning um, to, to go and rectify something. Um, and this has been a larger issue in the U.S. than it has been in the EU, I will say, because we are, um, you may have heard this term, but we're a default opt-in 
country, right? Whereas the European Union has always been a default opt out, meaning you have to electively opt into something in, in Europe if you want whatever the service or newsletter thing is. In the US, we just assume you're going to get that newsletter. You want that newsletter. You came here for that newsletter. And so now I'm going to email you every five minutes until you tell me not to. You know, it's and and to the to the to the three of you, uh, um, yeah, I had a little bit of a revelation here. Uh, it's like we worry about the attackers always being one step ahead of us. Uh, but can we make the same correlation between attackers and people that want to target data collection? When is the industry going to look at that as an attack, like an, an actual bad actor method? To, Wait, to what sorry. regard? <clears throat> yeah, back up a step, Scott. I apologize. I, I might. No, I no, 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 no. It's okay. I can. I can totally.